Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, it is me. I'm back for another awesome conversation today, episode 192. But first, the verdict is in. In episode 191, I asked you guys, do you want me to continue with my personal life updates in the intros? And I heard from thousands, okay, maybe not, maybe dozens of you (laughs) who said yes. And so I decided I will continue. So thank you for getting back to me about that. If at any time you change your mind, just email me. You know where to find me, Nicole, at NicoleDeBoom.com. So here's my update. Right now, I've realized that in my life sabbatical between chapters, what I have naturally started to do is to dig into my athlete side. So if you've been following, then you know that a few days ago, I had gotten inspired and decided that I've got all these new toys in the garage in the form of various types of skis. And I kept looking at them going, I wonder if I could ski on all of them in one day. And I'm not saying like, just put them on, take them off and ski. Like go out and do some kind of ski session on each of the five different types of skis I have in one day. So I called it the five-way ski challenge and made a plan. And here's how it went. (laughs) So the five ways that I identified or the five types of skis I have are Nordic touring, which is where you get out sort of in the great outdoors in the wilderness and you do some kind of off-road sort of ski touring. It's a cross-country ski, by the way, and this version has these fish scales on the bottom, not literal, <laughs> and uh, they theoretically help you grip a little bit more, so when you're doing uphills, it's a little bit easier. And then I ha- we did uh, classic skiing, which is another form of cross-country, but we did it on a groomed trail, and the classics are where they have those tracks, and you kind of look like you're running along on these tracks, but you're on skis. Then we did skate skiing, which is, it actually sort of looks like you're ice skating on skis, again, on a groomed wide track. Then we did alpine, which is downhill skiing, on the Steamboat Springs Resort called Mount Warner. And then finally, after a short break to pick up Wilder from school, grab her babysitter um, and change for the very last time, we did uphill skiing, which is also called skinning or AT skiing, which a lot of people don't understand and think is crazy, but is totally awesome. And what you do is you put these skins on the bottom of your skis. They're kind of like fur. And they allow you to really grip the snow. And when you get up top, you take the skins off and you ski down. It's like you earn your downhill. And how it went. So I said we a lot because I didn't do this alone. I recruited my husband, who ended up being the most amazing partner 
He was a natural Sherpa. Anytime I needed help, he just sort of jumped in and helped me. He did all the gear. He packed the car. He unpacked the car. Um, You can check out my little two and a half minute snippet on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, and you can see um, in little bits and pieces how, how it went. But overall, it went really bad for the very first thing, which was Nordic touring. So Tim and I chose a place called Rabbit Ears Pass, and there's this four mile loop that we've done before. Um, and we decided we would do that first because it's beautiful and epic and it's out there. And it's like an American Idol when they would, <laughs> the contestant would finish and then the judges would be like, terrible song selection. That's how I felt. It was like terrible ski selection. Like if we were going to do that one again, you either do it right after it snows so it's beautiful and fresh or later in the day when the snow is softer. What we ended up doing was skiing an icy, packed down, icy covered track for four miles. It took us so long. I fell a million times. I fell six times just going down this one hill before I finally took my skis off and walked down. It was, um, it was, it was an experience. It was frustrating, um, but it was also sort of epic. And I didn't know what the day was going to bring, so I learned something with that. <laughs> um, but what's really cool is that when you have a start like that, we don't throw in the towel. I mean, come on. This isn't like, we're not out there skiing for money here and like, our race is blown, forget it. We're out there to go explore and enjoy and see if we could do this thing. Got to the finish and it could only get better. And it did. So when we moved into our like more uh, traditional cross-country classic and skate skiing skis, uh, I, I was pleasantly, not just pleasantly, like really happily surprised that I actually really liked classic skiing. And the reason that that sounds kind of strange right now is that I actually had never used those skis before. So that's kind of hilarious. I had put on classic skis, but a couple years ago, put on the boots and tried the skis, but this was a new pair and I loved it. And I loved skate skiing. It was so fun. But by then you're getting tired and you're getting hungry. And we didn't really, we had no time to eat or anything like that. We were just nibbling through the whole day. So by the time we hit the resort for our downhilling, I was like, wow, this really should be the end. We were just like hanging on the lifts, enjoying it. It was such a blast. But one of the other issues is that we had to get home and unload the car so we could fit our daughter and her babysitter in. And uh, it just squeezed one of the best parts. So that's okay, though. We got it over an hour, probably close to an hour and a half of downhill skiing in before we zipped home, grabbed the coffee, grabbed the daughter. And that's when you're really tested because you actually have a break. And a lot of people, you know, there were races. I remember a friend of mine Actually, I think this was maybe one of Tim's competitors. I don't remember exactly, but it was like in the Hawaii Ironman and the marathon was underway and this person had not had the best day of their life and they were they they were fading and they knew their race was sort of over and within a couple miles they just ran into a Taco Bell or a McDonald's and they were done. 
I wasn't going to do that on the five-way ski challenge. I wasn't going to just like stay home and call it a day. We still had the most epic and hardest event to go, which was skinning up to the gondola. And the really cool thing is that because I had so many years as a pro athlete and I know myself, I know that if I continue to eat even in little bites throughout the day, I am, I can kind of do just about anything. I truly can. I'm not fast anymore, but I can keep going. So I continued to fuel. I had a caffeinated gel at just over four o'clock. Tim and I grabbed our skins and uh, we made it up to the gondola just before the sun went down. And it was so cool. It was amazing. And we did it. We did it. So, so then what? First of all, I, you know, why? Why did, why did I do this? Because I got inspired and I decided that I wasn't going to let that beautiful feeling go. So here are four takeaways from the five way that I learned that I want to pass on to you. And the first one is that inspiration is a step before a magical thing I call momentum. So keep that in mind. Number two, when you are inspired, feed the fire. Don't let it die. That's important. A lot of people get inspired and then let it die. Feed the fire. Get those flames going. Move yourself forward. Number three, I prefer to slow down a little and enjoy the experience in a deeper way than to skim the surface. I feel like we skimmed the surface and in the future, and who knows, maybe this will become a Daboom <laughs> three or four-way ski challenge. Um, in the future, I would do three or four skis in a day, and I might add that mountain coaster in for a little adrenaline in the, in the middle. And number four, anyone can do something epic anytime, but doing it with another human being that you hopefully love or like a lot makes it more fun, at least for me. And it really helped that my human being was an incredible Sherpa. So there you go. My uh, little update on my big day. Please email me, Nicole at NicoleDeBoom.com if you want to talk a little more about this interesting challenge I did or if you have become inspired to do your own challenge what we've learned through this pandemic is that challenges and events don't have to be formal. We can create our own on the daily. All right, you guys, I am going to move us on now because you are here to hear from an amazing guest, Catherine McCord. Catherine is the founder of One Potato and the popular Weelicious brand, which she created as a blog many years ago to help solve a personal problem that she had with her kids. Um, she has appeared since then on Today's Show, Good Morning America, California Live, The Doctors. She's regular on the Emmy-winning NBC show, Naturally, Danny Seo, as well as Food Network's number one rated Guys Grocery Games can you tell I just read that? That's from her bio. I don't actually haven't watched many of those shows, but I did have heard of a few. And the point in telling you this is that Catherine is a pro. She's been doing this for a while and people 
respect and appreciate her work so much that she's become truly a trusted regular. She currently lives in LA with her husband and her three kids, which are a big part of the empire she's building. I came to know about Catherine and in my opinion, her life-saving work for parents with picky kids when my best friend gave me two of her Wheelicious cookbooks. So I, for years, was complaining about how, how all Wilder would eat is what I call cheese on white. And we talk about this in the interview. And the minute I opened up one of Catherine's cookbooks, I knew that I just needed to expand my mind. So I started by making a recipe in there called chewy granola balls, which have peanut butter, something Wilder would never eat on her own, but she loved them. And I didn't have to try to tell her, you know, didn't have to try to lie to her or anything like that. I just sort of presented them to her. She tried them and she ate them. So then I tried the spinach ricotta bites and the spaghetti pie and spanakopita bites and Wilder loved them all. So I realized that the true point of Catherine's work was to make meals that the entire family can enjoy as I was also nibbling on these recipes as I went. And I think that is the key to success because Tim and I had gotten into the habit of making our food and then making Wilder's dinner separately, which we still do sometime. We're trying to break the habit. But everything we like is too zesty or Wilder says spicy. I don't, it's not spicy because Tim can't have spice or he, he can't tolerate it well. But, you know, in Wilder's mind, it feels, tastes spicy or it looks weird or has like a texture that makes her gag. Um, but every time I get brain blocked, I pull out one of her cookbooks. And that's when I realized recently that her work doesn't end with Weelicious. So a couple of years ago, she started the One Potato Food Delivery Service after realizing that in this whole budding food delivery service industry, no one had created a meal delivery company that considered the entire family, which is so cool. So One Potato has family-friendly recipes that kids can actually help you make. And I ordered and did my first week a few weeks ago. Wilder helped me. She ate the chilaquiles. It was so much fun. So I think that Catherine is totally onto something. Uh, there's no doubt she's a thought leader. Uh, she is really, at the end of the day, she's just so fun and so cool. And she has an incredible personality that I absolutely can't wait to share with you. All right, everyone. So after that amazingly long intro, let's find out what is on the menu with Catherine McCord. You know what we need to start with today? What? What's on the menu today? <laughs> oh, like what we're eating today? Yeah. What'd you eat? What are you eating? What's today look like food wise? I, well, I just, uh, I mean, just, I literally just stuffed course number two. Um, what I had a massive smoothie. I have a huge smoothie every day. Um, and I worked out this morning. So I had a, I come, I literally always come home and I eat like cereal. 
I like, I like, as I'm like doing my morning thing, I'm like eating dry syrup. Then I have my huge smoothie. And then I, I tend to have leftovers for lunch. I like to batch cook on Sundays. So that for the next few days I have like, I, I don't know. I love leftovers. I've always loved leftovers. I'm a huge leftovers girl too. But also what's funny is we're like a massive dried cereal family. <laughs> that's right. Like, that's what I mean this morning. That's what I have every morning. I, my husband's way worse than me. And, you know, we come from like pro athlete backgrounds from years ago. Right. And so the habit for us was like, you didn't really eat lunch. You just mm. ate all day long and you needed yeah. to eat things that you wouldn't throw up on an <laughs> afternoon workout. So like you couldn't have like a garlicky, savory, whatever. You were just like more cereal, more cereal. Hello. So funny. I don't know. I like the crunch. Yeah. I, so I, and I always mentally, I try to make sure that I have like plenty of fruits, plenty of vegetables, plenty of carbs, plenty of protein. Like I try to, you know, and then tonight we're making chicken and lettuce cups. So that's oh, I better. saw you. I saw that uh, Instagram live video. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So because this, um, we're doing one potato chicken and lettuce cups, but most of the one potato recipes are based on delicious recipes. Oh my gosh. We are so far forward. We're like, we're at the end of my interview <laughs> questions, which is like what I thought we would build to, but I, you know, what's really but they're, 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 yeah. is That's being an I mean. athlete. There like comes a moment in every workout where you look at whoever you're with and you go, what do you want to eat after this? Like you just can't, <laughs> all of a sudden, all your thoughts shift to food. I mean, food is such an important part of our lives. And if we can embrace it and be happy about it and keep it exciting, I mean, to me, that's the goal. Well, I always say that like food is the only thing that we all have in common. Like we all have to eat. We do. We do. And, you know, I actually, I think I want to backtrack now because it's really interesting. I was thinking about your path and like your very first career you ever had and, um, and how having a positive body image and positive self-esteem as it relates to having a healthy relationship with food may have been a little bit of a conflict when you grow up under the spotlight as like a freaking global supermodel, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's not exactly the most normal path, but, you know, it, it definitely got me here. So did you grow up in uh, Kentucky? I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky and, um, yeah, like very normal, you know, my grandparents were into farming and picking their own food and growing their own food. And, um, my, I always say skips a generation because my grandmother's in, like loved cooking, amazing cook. And my mother, like just got dinner on the table. She trudged through it. Not, not a lot of interest. Oh my gosh. It's almost like this skipping a generation or something. Exactly. Exactly. So your grandparents, did they literally grow crops? They grew, I mean, they had a house, but like they had, they had this crazy, I mean, they grew plenty of food. They went to you pick farms and then they also had this like crazy compost, which would like, I mean, ha tomatoes growing, like the most delicious tomato. It was like always growing some crazy, you know, vegetable. But my grandfather, like I would sit there and, you know, um, freeze blueberries, pick sugar, snap peas. And, you know, ever they were freezing, canning, like everything they possibly could. So you grew up around like the most wholesome 
eating sort of philosophy you could get. Like literally you could go out and pick your own food and they're in the kit. So am I kind of getting this story right? No, it's interesting like that you say that because to me, it was a very yin and yang way to grow up. It was half of it was fresh fruits and vegetables and like all, all that. Um, then the other half is uh, was takeout. It was Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's drive through. I had a real yin and yang. It was very, it was always like very challenging to me because I like, I loved food. I loved travel. I loved learning about food, but you know, I, we're also from a generation where like fast food was like, oh, yeah. like fast. I mean, there were, you know, the baseball team was bringing down, um, uh, Krispy Kreme donuts to the front door every Saturday. There was, right. there was, it was so, it was, you know, and, and also I think like growing up in the seventies and eighties, it was always like a lot of like packaged foods. Like it was just very new. Um, so yeah. That's, well, maybe yeah. like we grew up when fast food was sort of on the front of this tidal wave, right. Of convenient food and I mean, I, I did the same thing, even being a hardcore athlete, it was like, what are we getting at McDonald's on the way to a swim meet? You know, it wasn't about nutrition. It was about just like shoving food down the gullet and it tasted good. I thought it was good. Um, do you remember snack wells? I don't know why. Of course. Are it you was like me. Like we it was, it was like free food. It was yeah. empty. Like you could have yeah. as many snack wells as you wanted. <laughs> well, and that's what they they said because they were like they it's thought. fat free. And yeah. suddenly it was like, oh well, we can't eat fat. So we would like eat a whole package of snack wells, but then we would get fatter. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Other potato chips that had what was that thing in them that had like you know, it said like may cause diarrhea. You know what I mean? There was this, I forgot yeah. what the, the ingredient was, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it, the, the messaging was so confusing. Diet soda, tab, diet, Dr. Pepper, all this, uh, you know, but it wasn't, you know, I, I, you'd hear like, what, what's the Mediterranean diet? Like now we know that we should be having balance, but I think that there was just a lot of um, misinformation when we were you know, kids. Totally, because they actually didn't know, probably. They were probably like, well, this is the next healthy thing. Oh, and we could sell a bunch of them, so we'll just call it this. Um, and looking back, you know, Twinkies were probably healthier when we we were kids than Twinkies today in the grocery store. A hundred percent, because now everything has, you know, corn syrup or, food, you know, ingredients you can't pronounce. Right, of course. So when you were a kid, um, you were also an athlete, weren't you? Mm -hmm, very much. Like I was super passionate. I thought I was going to get college scholarships. I mean, that was like a hundred percent the goal. And then when I was 13, they found out that I had cysts in both my hips and that was sort of it for me. And it was like really a, like kind of a dark time because I wanted like track basketball, like anything, you know, when you're, I was 5'11 when I was 11 years old, oh my 12 God. years old. So I grew really tall, really quick. And, you know, it's always like, well, she's the tallest, she'll go do it. You know, and I was like, that was definitely the path. Um, but it really derailed fast. And uh, a friend of mine actually signed me up for a modeling contest during that time, which I ended up winning. And I, I think that that was, it, at least it gave me like a little bit more rein, like reinvigorated my, like gave me purpose, something that was fun to, to work towards goal-wise. 
You know, 13, 14 years old, I mean, that's a tough time for anyone, right? Yeah. And uh, here you are, like, first of all, you're the tallest girl in the class, tallest person probably in the class starting in what, like third grade or something. Well, Amy Katz was actually taller than me. <laughs> there was another girl. Having said that, I don't think she was as like uh, like as passionate about you know like athletics, but um, but yeah, I was. I mean, you know, really tall and lanky. You know, and I know some people who were really tall got paid, like it actually negatively affected their self esteem because they didn't want to stand out. And so one of my friends in particular developed like a slouch. And even as an adult, she still slouches. So she has to work on standing tall. Um, oh, yeah. You had that. Oh, yeah. I used to do the, the hip slouch. Like I could shrink myself by like a good two inches at a, at a, at a middle school dance. Wow. And isn't that crazy? Because because we want to simply fit in. That's really oh, what it is. I totally, I, with, I have two daughters and with both of them, I'm always like, be proud that you're tall. Look what you can reach in the closet or, you know, like impact. Because I don't, I don't know if my mother was like, you know, like, Oh, it's great being tall. She's like, I'm sorry. You're so tall. <laughs> Well, so here's the thing, though. It quickly turned to your advantage. So, again, 13, 14 years old, I mean, you're probably starting to hit puberty, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like right before it, I would say, like before, you know, I think my my height caught was first and then my body like caught up. Isn't that crazy how kids like grow up and then they grow out (laughs) and then you stretch them again and then they get a little pudge and it's like that crazy (laughs) So, so you got, um, well, first of all, with cysts in your hips, like that is a very unusual thing. I've actually never really heard of that. And I don't understand, like, so how did you get diagnosed? And clearly it wasn't something that you had to have chemo for. It wasn't, you know. No, they were benign cysts. Okay. And what it was, was like in between where the, the, the bone mm-hmm. connects or like yep. it was rubbing up against each other. And there were like, it's almost like they were like gumballs, uh, that, you know, that would, so it was just painful, uh, and growing that way. So really they, at the time that I was told, like the only thing I could really do was just stop sports and do like non, non-contact, non, um, uh, I can't, for, I can't impact. Think of the word, but impact. Yeah. Thank you. Non-impact. So Pilates, yoga, swimming, mm-hmm. um, all of which at that age, I was like, nah, not, not my, you know, I wanted to just run, run, run. Yeah. So, so it was, it was challenging. Well, yeah. And I mean, you said it was like a dark time for you. Most kids at 13 don't have that kind of darkness, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a lot to have yeah. to, you know, grow up a little early with. It, it, it was, yeah, it was. And I mean, when I look back, I mean, but at the same time, like I had a lot of positive influences around me. So, you know, it was like, okay, this isn't going to work. Like, how can we change the point of view? Like, what, what, how, how can we change the way, you know, the lens, the lens looks? So and I, I feel really lucky that I was able to, you know, get out of it and turn, turn to something at the time that felt a little bit more positive. So you actually, you won a modeling competition, and then, like, were you just sort of signed by an agency? 
Well, the first was Lazarus Model of the Year, which is kind of like it was a department store. And then I won, uh, and then I placed in the Gitano Jeans Model of the Year, and I got to go to New York for that. And then I got a, um, a card in the mail from a John Casablanca's Modeling Center, and it was like, you know, come take modeling classes. And I walked, I came, I showed up, they, uh, the lady at the front desk was like, hold on a second. And she went and got the head of the agency who was then like, no, no modeling classes for you. We're going to sign you up for a contest called the look of the year. And the look of the year was sort of like the Miss America pageant for modeling. It was like girls from around the world. It was televised on ABC. We went to Japan for a month. Um, It was, it was this kind of, you know, wild, wild ride um, for, uh, you know, and a just graduated eighth grader. Unbelievable. Okay. So did you win the look of the year? No, not even close. I was the youngest girl in it. Um, and I got best personality and I didn't even place in it. So, but it's funny because I'm still friendly with some of the girls that were in it. And I mean, like, you know, girls from around the world, but you know, I had, I had just turned 14 and most of the girls in it were, you know, 16 to 22 years old. So I was, um, very, I mean, I, it was a whirlwind to say the least. You know, so did you continue then? So you went on this whirlwind path throughout high school? Yes. So I ended up, I went back to school from finished my freshman year. And then that next summer I lived in New York. The following summer I lived in Paris. Um, And so I just, you know, really was modeling because it was fun and the agency wanted me to go. Um, and then, but I really like hit my stride when I was a uh, junior to senior year. Um, and I was in Miami and long story short, kind of plucked by like Calvin Klein to do an ad campaign um, with Bruce Weber that turned out to be something where my agency was like, Oh, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> we got to get you. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was like an overnight whirlwind where it was like on the cover of glamor and L and um, all these magazines and traveling around every two, two days. So it was, it was crazy, but, um, but also at the time exciting. So were you like, you were still getting your, you were still taking classes. So yeah, I, I still was, I was, it was really towards the end of my senior year that my career just really took off. And at that time, my dad sort of said to me, look, you can either model and save all your money and then decide what you want to do with your life, or you can go to college right now. Cause I had gotten partial college scholarships. Um, and, you know, at that point I really just was like, you know, this is, this is the time let's do it. So I, I just dive, dove right in and started modeling and it was, it was intense. I was traveling every two days, um, you know, kind of all around the world. And it, 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 it definitely took its toll. I mean, for forever, I was like, I'm independent. I love this. I'm different city every day. Um, but it, it, it definitely by, uh, by 19, it, it had caught up with me and I was just exhausted. Well, because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you're a model, like there's no substance to you. That's the first, you know, maybe thought people might have. And the second is like, what a life, how easy and glamorous. And I'm kind of hearing two different sides of both of those things. A, you were best personality. And B, (laughs) it was hard. Maybe you can share a little more about that. 
Well, the, the positive is that you get, you're getting to meet new people every few days. And it was, that part of it was really interesting. I mean, uh, because you're, you're trying to acclimate every few days to different people, different personalities, different work styles. Um, and it's definitely a job. Like anyone who, I mean, modeling is um, not, not always the most like academically challenging, but physically dem- demanding, definitely. Um, and, you know, it's like playing, it's like acting or dressing up or something similar to that every day that you're becoming a different character. Um, I, I mean, I, I loved much of it, but there were other things that were definitely more challenging. Um, and I think that, you know, you, you can't, if anyone says like modeling is easy, I, I especially at a certain level, it, it, it's not easy at all. Um, did you, were, <clears throat> did you have enough time or perspective to really think about like how, what's my greater goal or mission here? You know, were you kind of like, this could lead me to X, Y, or Z, or were you just truly on the whirlwind? Um, I think early on I was just trying to keep up. I mean, it was just so incredibly busy, but I always, always, always knew this was, I mean, my, my dad was always said, this is a business. This is not like a joy ride. You are going to save all of your money. I mean, I was super conservative. I mean, I, you know, I kept only the base, the basics of what I needed um, and put everything else away. Like I looked at it as this is a short time in my life. It actually ended up being much longer than I ever expected it to. I mean, I, I think I modeled, I mean, in total for uh, 20 years, maybe a little longer. Um, and, and, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, I always knew like I was, I wanted much more. I didn't like, that was one side of it that I didn't like was that I wanted to be able to, you know, I was always reading or studying, taking side classes because it, that part of it, I, I didn't love. Nowadays, I think it's much more of a business than it than it was even then. Um, and it's great, you know, it's great seeing people models be able to, you know, start their own product line or, you know, de- all kinds of like different projects and deals and non for profit and, you, you know, using their um, personality in different ways. But, you know, it wasn't exactly like that, you know, when I was was in, involved. Well, and it sounds like your dad was a really big um, grounding influence for you. Very much so. Yeah, still is. I mean, I still talk to him every day. So, uh, yeah, he, you know, he just, I think that he, he is very much a businessman. And so he lo- looked at modeling as just a total business. So what if we go back to that, like, question about, models, you're expected to be rail thin. A lot of models have eating disorders or probably drug dependencies, you know, to keep their bodies like that. Yet here you are today in the world of extremely healthy and, you know, wholesome eating. So did, tell me about your experience with food as a model. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, like I was very young when I started and when I started, it was like Christy Turlington, Cindy Crawford, Sports Illustrated. It was gr- girls that were, had very female, um, womanly, womanly bodies. It was, you know, bigger, better, beautiful. 
And then um, Kate Moss came on the scene so when I was about 18, 19, and everything changed. Everything went to the, like the waif and these like very, very skinny. Um, <clears throat> so I would say like the most challenging for me personally, because I did have really good influencers and I've always loved food was more for me, it was like the pace. I mean, it was just like excruciating as far as just go, 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 especially when you're doing runway shows and you're doing castings and nine runway shows a day and they just keep you like going, 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 at least at that time. Um, but I mean, I've seen it all. I've, ex you know, it, I've seen girls be very abusive to their bodies. Um, and at that time there wasn't a huge support system for, you know, you know, when it either substance abuse or what, what, people were eating, um, you know, like, let's watch it. Uh, so that, you know, that's, I think that's definitely the hard part of, of, of modeling. There is an expectation you're wearing clothes and they are meant to look and feel a certain way. So, um, you know, for me, like similar to you, like I enjoyed exercise and working out, uh, you know, definitely, you know, when I was younger, it was like, I, you, you know, you own, you're so impressionable, like everything. So, you know, there were definitely times even for me where I was like, I should be working out like this. Right. Um, it was more for the workout than it was the mental workout. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And you're still going through puberty. Like literally you're not old yet in the years that we're talking about here, you are forming what are probably going to be come future habits for you as an adult. Yeah. And what a crazy lifestyle to be forming those habits. Most people are still in high school, like doing their thing, going to prom, you know, um, and having a full college experience, which is yeah. for most people, that's their first time away from their family where they grew up. And for you, did you end up going to college? I did not. So I ended up, uh, I, I thought about it many times. Like I said, I was taking a lot of journalism classes because I ended up, I was doing Sports Illustrated, um, I mean, or, uh, sorry, Victoria's Secret runway shows and Victoria's Secret. And so I ended up hosting, getting a lot of hosting jobs. So I was taking journalism classes. Um, I inevitably went to culinary school, which feels like, you know, it was a totally different direction. But for me, like I had been collecting cookbooks since I was nine years old. I was, I loved like anything culinary uh, and especially from modeling. That was the most exciting part was like, I was getting to travel the world, going to, you know, Africa, like Egypt, Morocco, France, Italy, like Japan, all over the world. And, and I just became obsessed and fascinated with how people eat the way they do and why families eat together and like just different spices and flavors and combinations. And it, it just, I, so for me, culinary school was always what I wanted over, over anything. You know, I think a lot of people have trouble um, really understanding like what their heart and their gut is telling them and listening to that message, at, you know, and, and, in those young years, you, this is when we start to learn, like, what is our gut telling us? Right. And it sounds like you followed your gut on the, it literally followed your gut yeah. on this path. And I don't think ever, look, I think college is amazing. I think, but I'll think, especially at 18, 17, 18, when a lot of kids go to college, 
it's for those experiences of, you know, being with other kids and, um, you know, being on a college campus, being away from your parents. And like, I had done all of that. I had done, you know, most of that. I think sometimes for, I mean, even for my own kids, I'm always like, if you want to go take a, a year off, go for it. Um, you know, because, I mean, I, I, I love classes. I love education. Um, but I was also able to work in a different direction that it, the, a college degree wasn't going to be the end all be all. And it's, it's really interesting because right now it feels like the college experience of the future might be changing due yes. to our little pandemic. So when our kids, mm -hmm. your kids are getting there, my kids still nine, but you know, when they get older, they, they may be looking at a very different decision than we had, which was basically go get a job or go to college. And so I think that's a really refreshing viewpoint because you lived it the other way and you have found what many may say is a lot of success. <laughs> well, and you know, I, I, even with culinary school, I had, I mean, I was friends with several chefs at that time before I went to culinary school and my chef friends were like, why are you going to culinary school? Just get a job, get a job in a kitchen. That's the best, like right there on the line day in, day out. But for me, so I didn't go to college and I really wanted that camaraderie because I was so used to moving around so much. So I wanted to be in school with people that were like thinking and like, you know, even when we got out of class at 1130 at night, that we were going to restaurants and doing tastings. And, you know, so that it, culinary school for me was my college experience. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And I would say it's akin to the trades, you know, it's a trade school. And I love the idea of our country putting more effort and emphasis into trade schools and making them killer and badass and having the same kind of, I don't know, reputation as a four-year undergrad degree. Like, you're a badass. You went to beauty school. You're a badass. You went to culinary school. You're a badass. You went to heating and air conditioning school. Like, we need all of those yeah. things, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. For some reason, like culinary school always sounds like so much more sexy than, you know, than like it beauty school does. or something. It does, I, yeah. but it's, it's, I mean, it's really, it's really not, like you said, it's just a vocational school. Um, I mean, it definitely was heated and interesting and fun, but I think that if you have a passion already, whatever it is, I don't know if getting a BA is going to um, be the end all be all when you already sort of know what you want to do. Right, right. And, you know, I'm also really interested in the period of transition that people go through in their lives when they are, when they are experiencing change, either because they've decided to or something happened and is making them right. So you had maybe a 20 year modeling career, but it sounds like maybe there was some overlap like this, this transition period played out for what a number of years. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I was, I was hosting and acting also. So I mean, I, even when I was modeling, I was hosting TV shows, um, I hosted a show called Love Line on MTV for several years. Um, and I mean, even after that, I went back to culinary school. I remember school. that show. So, yeah, I loved I loved that. You're a, like such a rock star to me. Um, <laughs> was there like a moment though, like a light bulb moment where you're like, I am finally done with this career. 
this is the new direction. Did you have that like, boom? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you got to yeah. share. Yeah. I mean, when, it, yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to modeling, I was, I was, mo- I was pregnant and I was doing a lot of pregnancy modeling and I was like, I am tired. I do not want to be doing this. I am like my, my, I've got like, you know, a big beach ball on the front of me and this is, and I'm changing like 20 outfits, you know, in the same shirt for a catalog. And I was like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. So yeah. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, I had saved everything and it was time to like switch careers, but I've, I've had several careers at this point. So I think it's great. I don't think that any of us are meant to, and they should really passionate. I mean, that's the only caveat to it. Like you can have several careers in your life, you know? So I don't think you have to pin down to just one. No, I think you're right. And it's funny. You're the woman, the pregnant woman who looks amazing, who makes all of the <laughs> pregnant women who are like in their sweats, not getting out, you know, but can't put make like dripping food and you never see it because it's at the bottom of the belly and you're like brushing. Anyway, um, you know what? You're the one we all aspire to. <laughs> I don't know about <laughs> that. Ads. I, I you know, yeah, I, I felt just like any other, like, I just felt as pregnant as anyone else. But yeah, yeah, that was, that was sort of it for me there. And it was, it was time to move on. So, so you decided, or you kind of knew, it sounds like it was sort of a slow grind, but you know, after you had the skills and the training and your passion actually grew, I imagine a lot of people go to culinary school and they're like, no way. I did not expect this. I'm out. But for you, it went the other way, right? Opened up more doors. Uh-huh. Oh my God. I mean, but having said that it opened up doors. I mean, I don't know about that. It was, it was, it was hard for me to figure out what I wanted to do. I mean, I worked in restaurants, catering companies. I started like a protein bar company, um, that never really launched. I mean, I tried like a ton of different things before I had my son and when he was several months old and I was like, couldn't wait to start feeding him baby food. That was like going to be the most exciting thing ever. And I was going online and looking for different recipes and I just, there wasn't a lot of information online. And I was like, there has to be some like, what about, how do you make kids great eaters from day one? And that's why I started Weelicious. It was really just a blog posting every day different recipes that I was making and he was eating and it just like the community grew and grew. And, uh, and I, then I realized like, Oh, wait a minute, this is what I'm meant to do. I just love stories like that. It's almost, it's an accident. You were following your passion. You were doing what you had to do anyway, which was feed your son. Right. And it turned into something so much bigger than you probably imagined. You know, I, it is like a funny, like I see a lot of female founders these days and it's fascinating to me that most female founders I meet had a problem. Something was going on in their lives. They saw something that didn't exist that frustrated them. And that's why they created, you know, the, the company, the successful company they have today. Well, and the interesting thing is that a lot of founders don't necessarily have the skills or the vision to take it when the signs start to show themselves that this could be something big. And so that's the fun part of the journey is to explore yourself as a business person, not just somebody who knows how to put flavors together. Right. Yeah. And it is a business. I mean, like I, I, you know, even it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm going to have a little blog. This is so fun. I mean, I, I, from 
from day one, I was working like 50 hour weeks. So you mentioned, well, we know you have three kids. Let, who are they? What are their ages? Let's get, let's, let's knock these out. <laughs> my son, Kenya, who is almost 14. My daughter, Chloe, who is almost 12. And my daughter, Gemma, who is five. Yes. And there's the split. Yep. There's, <laughs> there's the split. There's the day that we were like, what about number, what about three? Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, you decided that was, that's a big, you know, it was sort of like my husband begging me for a year. And that, that, that was really it. I mean, that, that, that was, I was like, we have a boy and a girl. What else do we need? Why? Well, and so here's how I feel. I have one kid, so I don't compare to any other kid, but I also have heard that that's dangerous because every kid's so freaking different that you think mm -hmm. like, oh, I got this, the first kid. Now the second kid, I know what to do. And then you don't know what to do. But, um, it sounds like um, when Kenya was born, your oldest, that he had some digestive issues. Is that right? So we didn't really find out about it till much later, but he became a vegetarian when he was five years old by choice. He just, that was it. He's like, I'm never eating meat again. Yeah, I will not. Um, and it's gotten even more pronounced as he's gotten older. Uh, and then when he was eight years old, we he was starting to getting headaches and nausea and um, a, like a whole, a host of issues. And for someone like me, who's all about figuring out how to make your body perform the best it can, it was super upsetting and frustrating and seeing doctors and nutritionists and just trying to figure out what was going on with him. Did you ever diagnose it? Yes. Yeah, so we, what we started to realize was as a vegetarian, and me as weelicious, like I was just giving, you know, he breakfast became crepes and pancakes and waffles. And, you know, like throughout the day, it was just bread, cheese, bread, cheese, sugar. Like, and I wasn't, you know, he just eventually, what, how it all really happened was that I read this book called Cure Your Kids with Food. And there was just this little line about smoothies. Um, and, so then the next day I took a piece of paper and I drew all these little pictures of different smoothie ingredients and handed it to him and said, you can pick any ingredients here. I'm going to make you a smoothie. And he was like, Oh, this is fun. So he was like circling, circling. And the next morning I made one and then the, he loved it. So we made the next day, the next day we're making all these different combinations. Um, and in less than three weeks, all, almost all of his symptoms went away. And I mean, I now look at it as, you know, he, you know, we, especially in America, and back to our cereal conversation, <laughs> here uh -huh. we are in our cereal that, you know, we kids wake up, we expect them to do well in school and sports. And for the most part, we're giving them flour and sugar to start their day. So by giving them fruits, vegetables, and protein, we're like really firing them up, firing their brains, easier to digest because, you know, the food's broken down, but it's delicious. Um, so that's how, that's how my, my third cookbook, the smoothie project started. Oh my God. Okay. So you'd already had Weelicious going. And what's crazy is I can only imagine the pressure you felt as like this sort of guide in the, the world of healthy food and eating and your own kid was showing signs of not being healthy. And all you had to do is feed them nutrients or disguise them. Cause that seems like that's part of it. It almost was a disguise. 
I mean, for me, I'm always like, I don't like sneaking. So, I mean, I would tell him what, what it was. Every parent's different. Like, I mean, I won't, you know, if it a, was a chocolate peanut butter smoothie, I, you know, I'd be like, well, there's chocolate and peanut butter and frozen cauliflower uh, and banana. And you know, now they're always like, oh yeah, just throw the cauliflower in or throw the spinach in. It's great. Um, you know, everyone knows their child, but you know, you want to get them like at least like going with it because I always think with kids, there's always a lot of like, I don't want that. But half the time, A, they're not going to taste it. They're just being like, oppositional because for a host of reasons we can get into, but, um, but yeah, I mean, now, now they have smoothies, you know, my kids have smoothies every morning and we don't, that's not even, it's just, we just do, we, it's not, yeah, it's, it's just, it's positive and they love it. And yeah, you know, some, you've created some, a new baseline and yeah, you, it's really funny. I call my kid is what's really funny is when she was born, she wasn't like picky after she started eating food. She would eat avocados and I don't know. Actually, the first food we tried to feed her was sweet potato. Like we didn't even know how to do it. We just like chunked it up and she didn't eat it. And it's a funny story today, but she won't eat, she won't eat a lot of that stuff now. As she got older, she, I, we try not to call her picky, but she's picky. And she, her diet is what I call cheese on white. <laughs> so if she goes to a friend's, they're like, well, will she eat this? I'm like, it's cheese on white. Yeah. She'll eat a quesadilla cheese on white. She'll eat a grilled cheese on white. She'll eat mac and cheese. She'll eat Parmesan on pasta, but cheese on white. And it's horrible. And I know it's the worst diet ever. And it's, it's been a real bitch to try to get her to expand and have some guts to try something new. I'm sometimes we're at our wits end. We're like, can you just try it? And she looks at it like, Oh no, I could never try that. You know? So funny. It's so funny. Uh, you know, I, I think that kids for whatever it's, it's, it's not always or even often about the food, but it's, it's the control. There's so much, you know, we really, we tell kids where to go to school, what to wear, what, everything. And like food is the one thing they're sort of like, you know, they can give you the invisible <laughs> middle finger. Like I, I'm going to do, I own you. And you're just, because they see for some reason, why is food the one thing that parents are like, Oh, I'm a terrible parent. I can't get my child. You know, it, it just, it's, it's like, and it's, it's 21 meals plus snacks every week. So it's the one thing that never goes away. Uh, it's just, you know, and, and this, on the other hand, like parents, because kids will eat everything, just feel like they're superstars, but yeah, food is a, it's, it's a real, it's a real bone of contention for a lot. Like just, it causes a lot of fights between children and their parents. Well, and you've got three kids. So at some point you had to just be like, screw it. You're eating what we're all eating, but we developed that really bad habit of making our dinner, which is flavorful and spiced and tasty and her meal, which is not. Yeah. And this is a tough, I mean, we are, we are definitely in that pattern. So she'll get like some kind of cheese on white with like a bell pepper. Cause it's the only other thing she'll eat, which is good. I give us kudos for the good things, right? You have to celebrate totally. the things they'll do. Totally. It's when you read these articles, like there was some article recently and they're like, 10 year old died of malnutrition because all he ate was cheese on white, you know, <laughs> like mac and cheese or whatever. Oh no, what have I done? We're like, we're going down that path. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, do you have any thoughts or advice on how to get your family safely into the same routine and pattern so you can enjoy together? You could do it. I mean, there's so many different uh, ways to do it. I mean, I always say like going to the grocery and letting your kid explore and pick out any fruit or vegetable they want and teaching it, you know, make it like a real fun game. Same at the farmer's market or a you pick farm, Um, making a list as a family of the 10 foods you all like. Um, Let your like your more selective picky eater um, starts, you know, and be like bell peppers. That's a huge win. That's amazing. And cheese. Awesome. Protein. Great. What else? Like, I think to energize it with making it a positive instead of like, that's all you like to eat. Um, Because by the way, we all, you know, we all do that. But I think even, even my kids are constantly like we, we try to switch it up as often as possible too. We're always trying and it's okay if there's nights that aren't like major successes. Um, but like, I think that DIY meals help a lot too. Um, so if you're going to do a taco bar, you do like, you know, there's, there's comfort white foods, but then there's maybe guacamole that you or an avocado that your child's willing to try to taste or, you know, anything like sesame seeds for calcium and protein, like that they can sprinkle on top of a rice bowl, whatever it is that like slowly, but surely like one win a week even is a major win. It's like you need those gateway drug foods, you know? (laughs) Of course. No, I mean, like I've got three kids, like they're all, you know, they're all over the place with their, their yes. You know, like my, one of my daughters, cheese is like the enemy. She'll eat mozzarella cheese, but any other cheese is the enemy. And it's like, and my other two kids, like they, they would just like bathe themselves in cheese if they could. Oh um, my God. I love that. And again, to the point, all kids are different. You can't, totally you, one tactic will not work on another. <laughs> my daughter ate a 64 ounce steak the other day and my vegetarian son just sat there watching her. Like we, we have a whole rule <laughs> that you're not allowed to comment on anyone else's eating choices. <laughs> Because, you know, you'll be like, oh, you know what that really is. Or like, oh, that smells. So we cut that all out. Um, But, you know, like, that's what I think that's inevitably why, you know, having three kids, like, I'm living through it every day, just like every other parent. So, you know, we're always coming up with new strategies. I'm like, oh, that really worked. Oh, yay. All right. How how, am I going to do this one? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Add it to the list. So it's, there's not just one thing that works. There's so many different strategies. You know, I'm just, I'm super hyper vigilant about wanting to raise a confident daughter Mm -hmm. and I want her to have a healthy relationship with food because I know that is a problem for so many women. And, um, I just, I even look at it and I'm like, it's both ways. Like kids who eat a lot, their parents might make little comments like, wow, you're really going to town. I mean, you can't do that. My kid won't freaking eat. So we're constantly like, can you take another bite, please? And maybe it's the control thing. Maybe we just need to stop and back off and see what happens. But, you know, it's this, it feels like, you know, as a parent, you think you're doing the best thing for your kid. You think you're giving them the best advice or pushing them to do something so they will be better. But oftentimes I look at it and I'm like, we're just being annoying. Maybe she would actually <laughs> eat more if we backed off. Or she might just not eat more and then ask for dessert. 
which is also not good because then you're cheese on white with the sugar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by, by the way, that happens over here too. You know? Yeah. So I, yeah, we, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I do always hear my mother ringing I'm in my head when I'm, you know, can I have dessert? Like if you're hungry, if you're not hungry enough to finish your dinner, you're not hungry enough for dessert. Um, you know, so we'll, but we try to vary it up and I'm not like the, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pro dessert because my mother didn't let us have dessert growing up and all it made me want is, was dessert. Like it, at any turn, I would give up food for dessert. So we try really hard, like, you know, with, with my son, with my daughters, especially like I'm super conscious having two daughters and you have a daughter, you know, to make sure that you know, that they're having, they feel confident that no one's ever looking over them, like for not eating enough or eating too much or whatever it is. Like I, you know, and I just always preach, like, as long as your body is getting balanced and sometimes it's not just a day, like you have good days and bad days. We all do. But as long as you're like, okay, when I look at a week, you know, were there, were there some, you know, was there balance within getting enough of, you know, fruits and vegetables or nutrients? You know, we're living in a time when it's literally Groundhog Day for so many people. You know, I I just moved. So my every day is different for me. I feel like this is the best time ever to move to a new town because you're exploring new things every day. So it opens up your mind in general, even with cooking and food. You know, I don't have a job right now. That's my next thing I got to tackle. But like my creative juices come out in different ways, but for so many people, they're literally waking up every day and groundhogging. And with food, I found it that in cycles throughout my life, I could literally only think of three meals I could ever make at any given time. It'd be like, we're having a burrito, a soup or a salad. You know, it was like, you're stuck in your rut. Right. Yeah. So I will say that when my daughter was young and I was struggling to figure out how to make great meals, my friend gave me your first Wheelicious mm. cookbook. And it was, I feel like we get stuck in a rut, but there's no reason because the options truly are limitless. We just need tools like what you provide to the world to open our minds. So you, we can all relate to this. Like only, I can only think of like three meals ever to make. What what do you suggest to people? Well, I think what you just, whether it's the Wheelicious cookbook or any cookbook, even the youngest kid, let, let your child be the driving force. If you're, I mean, especially if you're challenged about what to make them, um, because I'll hand my kids cookbooks all the time, friends, cookbooks, ones that I love and be like, here you go. Pick out whatever you want. What what should we make? Let's do this together. And then, you know, and especially with cookbooks with beautiful pictures. So then there, it gives them sort of an idea outside their usual few things that you can add to the repertoire. Well, and even maybe like ad, get, suggesting a few spices they don't usually use, it completely yeah. changes the taste of a meal. Yeah. And letting your kid go to the spice drawer, like, let's open them up. Let's learn about them. You know, there's, you know, cinnamon, cumin, coriander, like what, what, and, and spice. I mean, it, it turns out my, I mean, my kids love spice. Um, and it's funny that it, you know, so many kids were like, it's spicy, you know, it, but I think there's spicy and then there's flavor and warmth. Right. And we're, we, we, we can't, we have this conversation a lot about, you know, what, what they, 
you know, I, I, my little one is the funniest with it. She'll eat like pickled jalapenos, but then I'll give her something else. She's like, it's spicy. I'm like, you love the pickled jalapenos. She's like, oh yeah, I do. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> There's, it's just so funny. They act so kooky. She's not overthinking it. That's no, what I think. She's five. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, one of the things though, that I love about it, your tagline is one family, one meal. I mean, that alone should have gotten us out of this like <laughs> two, two meal rut that we still stick in. But I will say I have a lot of faves actually from your cookbook. Oh, I have to well, name some. Okay. And I actually, I want to know your faves. I, actually, did you have one recipe that like started it all? The, the, like, cook, the cookbook or you, um, like you and Wheelicious, like what's your like trademark recipe that just like shot you off into the galaxy? Into the, I mean, it's funny. I, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I've just always like, I've created so many recipes like daily over time, whether from the farmer's market or reinventing like fast food favorites or restaurant favorites or just things that we like seasonally love. I mean, I know the ones that I make the most, you know, at either the cookbook or Wheelicious, the website, you know, we make brown rice cakes at least once or twice a week. Um, I think that could work in your daughter's repertoire, actually. Yes. And it's protein and carb. Yes. Um, Um, I'm going to try that one. You know what we started with? Our gateway was the uh, granola balls. I I might not have all the names right, but with the brown rice. Okay, I'll yeah, yeah, yes. totally. Yeah, so it's a, just like a different kind of sweetener, a little bit sticky. Um, I mean, I, we, I, st- I think red, uh, red beet and white bean hummus, aka pink hummus, was all, like one of the first things that I ever made. And then, ended up, I, I, as soon as I saw it in Trader Joe's, I was like, oh wow, this is you know we've been making this for thirteen years. Um, that was a <laughs> they that, copied that you. A, Damn that fun. Trader Joe's. Fine, I love it. <laughs> Um, but you know what I mean? Like things like that, that are, that we've been making, you know, for, for years and years, but we delicious in general is just all about like really simple, easy, nutrient dense recipes that like anyone can pull off, even if you've never cooked a day in your life. So that's, that's the goal of the site. You know, it's super fun. And as they're getting older, like Wilder actually is participating in the kitchen now, which makes me really happy because before she would just sort of create a massive mess and (laughs) not be very interested at the same time. And I'm like, now I'm cleaning up and you're not even interested. So, you know, it's, it's shifting. And so that makes me happy. Even if you give her a bell pepper, like I always say, like a bell pepper, cucumber and pull up a a kid safe knife and a cutting board and have her chop or, you know, like my kids, I'm constantly like, help me out here. And then they'll end up inevitably eating half of what they're chopping just unconsciously. Uh, so, and it's like that together time. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and what's the worst thing that happens? They end up making, you know, cutting up vegetable for your salad. But if they, I think they, uh, it's sort of one of those, like, while you're talking, they'll just start eating. And I try not to say anything. Although sometimes I'll be like, don't eat it all before dinner. And then I'm like, it's going to happen now or it's going to happen in 20 minutes. Why? <laughs> right. God, I love this. No, you're so right. I, try not to say anything. It's all about our self-control with our kids. And, and it's usually our problem. It's like what we either, it's like from our childhood or our hang up or some, you know, it's, it's little to do with the kids, but well, really, yeah, be a bit like, we don't know, ju- like no judging, no belittling. Like we, 
that's, that's where you really get yourself in, in trouble. Well, I feel like there's two kinds of people in the kitchen. There's people who follow a recipe to the T and like scrape off the, you know, measuring cup and um, actually use a sifter, which I don't even have one. Um, and then there's people who are constantly just sort of pouring and substituting. And I'm in, I'm in that second realm and half the time it's massive fails and half the time it's huge wins, but I have no idea what I did. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. My husband started only in COVID. He's never, ever cooked. And he became a vegetarian and started cooking like nightly. Um, and he absolutely loves it. But his big wins, he's always like, oh my God, look what I did. Look at everybody eat it. Try it. He's so excited. But that's part of it. Like, Actually, there's also two kinds of people, one who clean up after themselves as they go and one who leave the kitchen crazy. And Tim claims that I leave the kitchen crazy, but I think I clean up after myself. But anyway, um, I'm thinking about like, as you watch someone you love um, open up and embrace like your world, does it feel good or do you feel a little bit like he's stepping out all over my stuff, you know? <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that we have like family dinner, 615, 630 every night and he'll like stroll in at 620 and be like, should we make a tofu dish right now? I'm like, uh, no, your time. I At first I was like entertaining it. I was like, all right, that's cute. Sure. Come on in. And the other night I was like, it's we're done. We're done. If you didn't make it in, we're done. But it's it's fun because I love actually like we like spending, you know, I really, I love my husband. I love spending time with him. So it's been fun because I'm like, oh, this is so fun. Let's cook together. And he does <laughs> clean up as he goes and he does do dishes. So that oh makes God. it, yeah, it's a win. It's a That's huge a win. That's a huge win. You know, Tim does our dishes too. So I think it's <gasps> kind of cool. You got to tr- have some handoffs here, right? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I, it took me a second to like embrace, like letting my kitchen go, you know, but you know, he, he makes a few dishes that are absolutely delicious. So I'm like, okay. You know, it's funny. I, uh, I've been just now was thinking about your, you know, love languages, right. And how we show love and how we want to receive love. And we often show love the way we want to receive it, but people don't know we want to receive it that way. Cause we never said it. And so they're like, you're constantly bombarding me with food. Um, I've been, uh, accused of being a food pusher and a hydration <laughs> pusher. Did you drink enough water? You have to drink more before we leave the house, you know? And like, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Um, and, I was recently, last year, actually, I was on a trip to Costa Rica and I was just yeah. sitting, talking to this group of women. I barely knew, like we had language barriers and everything. And I was trying to push food on them. And then I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was apologizing for pushing the food. And this woman looked at me in her broken English and said, that's okay. It's how you show love. And I was like, it is. How I it's show so beautiful. <laughs> I love that. But it is, but I mean, that's, I think it's a great, you know, a great way to look at it. And that's what cooking and food is. It's time. It's takes a lot of time to make something that's you have to shop for it and then cook it and find the recipe. And and I find after a lot of time in the kitchen, my core, like my back hurts. So we got to, we got to keep on those core routines. Are you still working out a lot? So I didn't work, like I worked out when I was modeling for years and years and years and, you know, Pilates and gym and blah, blah, blah. And when I started One Potato, I didn't do anything for five years. I did nothing, zero. I, I just was so busy and 
chasing around my kids. And the week that um, the stay at home order began last year, my husband was like, I got to start exercising. And he started and I was like, maybe I could do this too, to get outside, just to literally just get outside. And we have both exercised every day. I mean, I call, I call it hiking. I don't even call it exercise because honestly, for me, it's total mental health. There was like very, my, my dog and I, we do 75 minutes every morning and it's like a vacation. It's amazing. And you need to do it. You know, we need to be doing that. And you're getting vitamin D, you're getting all the things you need to be your healthiest self. So then you can exude that health into the creations you put out in the world. Yeah. And I feel like I, to your point, like, I think as a mother, as a woman, like I, I leave early and by the time I come back, I feel so like, oh my God, like what I, like I, you know, I did it and I'm a better, I think I'm a better partner and mother, you know, coming back every morning with that accomplishment to start my day. Well, and then how long does it take for those feelings to go away? <laughs> then you have to do it again. Well, no, fully well. 23 hours. I but, I, but I like it. It makes it, me yeah. so happy. It, it makes does. Me so happy. And the trick is to keep that high and keep that feeling all day long. And you're just, I love it. And I feel it in you. Well, you know, I, mentioned one tomato. So we got our first delivery last uh, week. How and, did, I mean, that, but how did it go for your daughter? It was awesome. So <laughs> what here's, let me give you our background is we actually explored Green Chef a couple years oh, ago. Yeah. And yeah. we did this. So we knew about this home delivery and, and we were like, it's all about the sauces, but you know, they made you do a little work and you did too. You made me do a little work. I had to cut a pepper, but other than that, <laughs> you actually rocked it. So the, the big difference between like a green chef and what you're doing, in my opinion, is that one potato takes the whole family into consideration. You are making meals that work for the kids too. And on Green Chef, they were way too sophisticated for her palette of cheese on white, right? But we ended up getting, I picked two meals. One I knew she probably wouldn't eat, but I wanted to try it. It was tikka masala, vegetarian. Oh, I love that one. It was so good. I mean, amazing flavors. And then um, the one I knew she'd be excited about was chilaquiles. Oh, good. So the the thing is, though, knowing her preferences, I made one that was didn't have the mango sauce, but it had the other things and one that had all the flavor. And and I deconstructed for her. So I'll show you some photos, but her eggs are on the side. Her tortilla casserole is on the side, you know. So but it, you were still able to do it with the same ingredients. Exactly. Yes. That's, she, that's the point. She loved it because a recipe oh. like that is fun because you do layers and you sprinkle cheese and it has chips and you can eat them as you go. And I just felt like the experience was a, maybe she's just ready for it. And I was ready for it too. But like, I don't know, it just felt so much more inclusive. And I think that's your goal. So if it is, you nailed it. Oh, you're so sweet. You know, I mean, that that's funny, that meal, like the, the tikka masala comes with two chutneys. And so I was like pulling my five-year-old up. Sometimes what I'll do, I'll be like, will you try this for me? What do you think of this? She's like, oh, you, you need my help? Okay, okay. All right, let me try. You know, so like we, I, may, I try to get her involved. It's like my back 
around the back sneak attack um, to, to and, it, and it nine out of ten, 10 times works. I've never had her be like, wait a minute, are you trying to, uh, but, but, you know, we try to like add a bunch of sauces and like that meal has the brown basmati rice, but it's like, it's not brown, bad brown. It's like, you know, just like light and fluffy, um, you know, but we try to make it so that, you know, that it can fit anyone and their palate taste preferences, you know, we even like some of the meals will put a pickled jalapeno, but it's always on the side for the adults and the kids yep. don't have to have it. So um, I'm glad you enjoyed those. We did. And what I really love is the idea that you can deconstruct pretty much any one of these meals. I'm all about a DIY meal. Do it yourself. Yeah. I think it's amazing. So <laughs> that's a, that's to me is um, pretty groundbreaking from the perspective of parents who are trying to include their kids in their meals more. And okay. I'm just, Highly recommend anybody listening to at least get your first trial. And the other really cool thing is we got like free cookie dough. <laughs> and so we made last night, we got the sugar cookie making kit. Oh, yeah. I know. And here's what's really funny. We don't even own a rolling pin. So back in the day, <laughs> we used to just use wine bottles to roll. Things. Yes. Yes. Anything. Right. Right. Yes. So um, but last night I just chopped up the dough and it didn't matter. I mean, it was all about cooking those beautiful sugar cookies that had the lemon zest and lemon flavor. And, um, my daughter made the homemade icing and your sprinkles that are edible, like good for you actually without the dyes and ever, you know, the bad dyes. It was a really great experience. So thank you. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we try to be thoughtful in everything that we do and, you know, getting the kids involved, but we just want, we, you know, there's so many fights around food with between, you know, spouses and kids, and we just want it to be a pleasurable experience. So we also didn't really talk about the smoothie project, which I know is yeah. really big and I don't actually have that book. So I'm going to get <laughs> on and buy it now because okay. I'm missing out clearly. <laughs> um, and in fact, we're giving away a cookbook through this recipe. Oh yeah. Or the, oh through yeah. This recipe, I'm calling everything a recipe now through this, uh, interview. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Because I feel like for you, especially this, yeah, the smoothie project, I mean, the best part about it is it like breaks down, like when you go to whole foods and you're like, what are all these smoothie ingredients? It really like breaks it down. And the book is very much birth to AARP that no matter what's going on in your body, there are smoothies for your different palates, different energy levels, ingredients that will help you in so many different ways. And you know, the whole point is that they taste delicious. Well, I think that's the key. Obviously, we're not going to slog it down like Rocky did with his like raw egg, you know, in a blender in the morning. But um, and that's that's what you've done. And it's all about experimenting, too. I will admit we made um, strawberry popsicles, but we had to kind of backdoor sneak attack some vanilla pudding. So not so good for you, but, (laughs) you know, I'm like, well, we're halfway there, right? Yeah. I mean, the strawberry popsicle probably would have been fine and wonderful on its own, but still, it's all about like having baby steps. steps. So 
you know, I just, I love what you're about. I love this message you have. Is this like, is this the end game? Like not end game, but that sounds so like final, but like, is this where you want to be in your life for the long run? Is this what you want to be doing? Or do you see, do you see more miles down this, this marathon you're on? I mean, funny enough, this is, to me, this is only the beginning. We, there's, uh, you know, we want Wheelicious and One Potato to become the family food brand. So whether you're getting it direct to consumer to your front door, whether you're you know, buying Wheelicious and One Potato products in retail, um, you know whether you're watching the videos, uh, the reels on Instagram, you're part of the community. It's it's a 360 approach to family food. It is. And it's working. I need a couple of quick, like, you know, speed round things. Um, are you ready? Don't think too hard. All right. Let's do some (laughs) favorites. What's your favorite meal? Roast chicken and French fries with a big salad. Oh, what about for breakfast? Smoothie. Oh, and funny, funny enough, pregnancy smoothie still to this day. It's like my favorite one. Shut up. Are your fingernails like super long? Remember how like that's like a joke. And I have to cut my fingernails once a week or I'll get my like hair, skin, nails, all that good stuff. What's in that smoothie? Um, Berries, blackberries, raspberries, chocolate protein powder, collagen, hemp seeds, bee pollen, greens powder, and milk. I think that's, oh, and banana. Do you have like specific brands that you, um, you know, promote like the greens powder and the, I don't really promote them as much as I just love them. I'm, I'm always trying new products, but I always suggest to people, like if you're trying to find a protein powder, you like buy those like little individual packets and try a few of them before you invest in a container. Good. Smart, smart move. Okay. What's your like best kitchen hack? Best kitchen hack is probably batch cooking as far as like uh, on the weekend, like make brown rice and then eat the brown rice, turn it into brown rice cakes, make a stir fry with it. It's my, my kitchen hacks are all about like cooking ahead as much as possible. What's your biggest kitchen fail? <laughs> I'm making these um, <laughs> I know. And I'm, I'm like, I don't have uh, it's probably my biggest kitchen fail probably happens once a week where I'm trying to cook like five things at once and inevitably I burn or much darken one of one of the foods. Oh my God. Have you ever um, realized you had like a food allergy or something after trying a food? No, that would be terrible. I know. Have you? Well, I actually have like a strawberry allergy, but I didn't know until one day I was like, what are these red things on my face? And then I realized the next time I ate strawberries, it was that. Hives. My, my, yeah, my hands are allergic to butternut squash. I love when I cut squash. them. I mean, I didn't say it stops me. I just wear gloves, <laughs> but my hands get all puckery and dry and weird. It's well, like a chemical reaction. That is so crazy. Oh my god, I love that. And who knows? Like, is it one of those things because you're in the kitchen and surrounded by all kinds of foods that you develop the allergies? I'll um, buy that. I'll buy that. Be. So, what gets you up in the morning? I just jump out of bed. I, I mean, knowing I'm going to go hike, getting, I guess, creating, like creating something new every day. Creating something new. And are you ever afraid? Yeah, all the time. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't let it get the best of me. I I love you. <laughs> we didn't meet like 10 years ago. We could have been know. hanging out. I know. Okay. And finally, what food could you not live without? The definite tie between ice cream and chocolate. Gelato specifically and chocolate. Wow. Cool. Mine See, might be that's avocado. what I'm... Oh, really? So you're, you're thinking much healthier. By the way, I just ate a half an avocado. So like, but I think it goes back to my mom didn't let me have it. So now it's all I think about. But you know what? I What could I not live without? I could not live without fresh figs. Fresh figs are my absolute favorite food. Oh, oh, I'm going to have to get some. I never eat fresh figs. They're always dried. They're not in season. I know, but we I, I plant it. Like I'm a passion fruit and fig lover. So I just plant them in our yard. We've just been planting more and more trees and fruit vegetable bushes recently. Oh my God. I want to come see your garden, your yard. Well, that's the question we're going to ask people in the post when this episode goes live, what food can you not live without? And then we'll pick one of them. We are going to pick you based on your answer. So we're judging you. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then whoever wins, they're going to get a cookbook. Yahoo. Yay. That makes me really happy. It's a win-win. I know. It's so fun. All right. Well, we have been just rolling along and I just, I mean, you're just such a, a wonderful like presence in this world. Your energy is just amazing. I love that you jump out of bed every day. It makes me so happy. And I love that this is just the beginning for you. Thank you. I'm, I, this is so much fun. I, w- I want to sit now and interview you just about like your all exercise and what gets you up in the morning. Cause I feel like you've got the other side of like the health and wellness. That's so inspiring. You know, we may have a new venture we're going to put together. That's the future. <laughs> well, let me ask you the final question. I ask everybody who comes on our show. And that is if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? I think that the best advice that someone ever gave me and it always helps me is if you don't know how to do something that you want to learn how to do, don't be forget, don't be afraid to ask for help and ask your mother's cousin's brother, ask anyone, your neighbor, like don't be shy because everyone wants to help someone else to feel good and successful. I absolutely love that two big parts of that. Number one, don't be afraid. And number two, ask for help. They go hand in hand. Yep. We all have to do it now and then. <laughs> You're so awesome. Thank you so Thank much you for your time fun. today. Let's keep Thank uh, you so much. Let's keep making the world healthier, happier, and yummier. I love it. I'm so happy I found you too. And what a pleasure. And I can't wait to share um, the podcast when it comes out. Yahoo. Catherine McCord. What an awesome person. I love her. I could talk to her every day. I'm going to put her on speed dial. I'm going to text her every morning. What you jump out of bed thinking about today? Don't you want to just jump out of bed? Man, maybe it's because she eats so well. Definitely head over to Weelicious and definitely try one potato, especially if you have kids that you want to engage with you in the meal preparation process. Um, Really important, as we mentioned at the end of the episode here, do not forget to get over to my Facebook or Instagram. Check out the post 
that asks you this question. What food can you not live without? Uh, Catherine and I will pick one winner. You're going to win a Weelicious cookbook. How cool is that? I love it. All right, you guys. What a great day. What an awesome episode. Best day ever, right? Um, Before I go, just make sure that if you don't already subscribe to mine and Tim's newsletters, make sure you do that. You can check mine out at NicoleDeBoom.com. Just scroll all the way down to the bottom. It says newsletter. Sign up there. For Tim, he's a little more elusive. He's tiptoeing into this like public world kind of thing. Go to his Instagram and there is a link in his bio to sign up for his newsletter. Uh, You guys, you're amazing. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening for all these years. I'm just so grateful that I have the opportunity to connect with you through this little cool medium called podcasting. Thanks for listening. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.